Brian talked about the, uh, the human mind and how forgetful we sometimes are. Boy, I'll tell you what, it has been a morning. We have a visitor here with us named Alan. It's an easy name for me to remember. I've got a guy named Derek, his wife Katrina over there. And this morning during Bible class, I looked straight into the eyes of one of the members of this church I've known for well over a year now. And I called her the wrong name. <laughs> Just looked like, good morning, how are you, Karen? Her name's not Karen. <laughs> the human mind, especially mine, sometimes is fallible. But thankfully, we've got the word of God to remind us of all the important things about this life and the life to come. And this morning, what I want to do is look at the life of Abraham. Not all of it, just a couple of things from his life and hopefully learn some lessons. The book of Romans, chapter 15 and verse 4 states this, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures we might have hope. We look into the Old Testament not because that covenant to the patriarchs or to uh, the law of Moses is binding upon us today, but to learn about how God deals with his people, with humanity, through a covenant relationship. The things that they do which are good, that we should emulate and follow, and the things that we should not do, following the footsteps of those that have failed and have hurt their relationship with God. And so this morning what I want to do is look at a couple of things in the life of Abraham, our forefather of the faith, and see some things that was done by uh, Abraham that gives us confidence for the future and things that we ought to have or emulate from his life. Let's begin our conversation by beginning at the beginning, the book of Genesis. In chapter 12, these three things will be our focus for this morning. The fact that Abraham had enough faith to leave his home he had enough faith to be called Abraham in the first place. And then finally, the crowning achievement of his life of faith, the moment in which he showed to God that he was willing to step out and do what God told him to do without question and without fear to offer up his son Isaac. In Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then finally in verse 4, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. The very fact that God chose Abram to be someone who would be a blessing to all families of the earth we know, looking back through hindsight, we're talking about the birth of Jesus and Jesus dying on the cross for all of us to be a part of the family of God today. But for Abram to be called specifically 
and to go and leave the Ur of Chaldees in Haran, where he was after his father's death, is a huge moment. Because in this moment, God is reaching down from heaven to establish a relationship with a single individual. If you kind of pan back in your mind from what we've read in the book of Genesis before chapter 12, we get, uh, we get a pretty good bird's eye view of what the world is like in creation, in the fall, in the establishment of certain families and clans or tribes, establishing cities. We don't really see a lot of uh, single-person communication between God and an individual. The one major exception might be that of Noah and his flood, but beyond that, we don't find God reaching down from heaven to establish a covenant relationship with mankind. We see patriarchs trying to offer sacrifices for their families in which they can have some kind of fellowship in a way with their creator. But in this moment in chapter 12, when Abraham is called to leave his home and to go to a place that he did not know that would later be his inheritance and to be blessed to be a great nation and family, that's a huge moment in history. In Hebrews chapter 11, we read that during our scripture reading, Beginning in verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Well, just pause there for a minute. After this verse, within scope of Hebrews chapter 11, not only Abraham is mentioned, but also Sarah. Talk about a woman who trusted in God. Abraham gets this message from God, listen, pack up all your things, take all your possessions, get them in the U-Haul, and go tell your wife this great plan. What's the plan? You're going to go to a foreign, distant country. Where is it? You have no idea. Who's already there? You don't know. Which direction do you go? I'll tell you when you're on the way. And I'll go tell Sarah, your wife, to pack up her whole life, her whole existence, and get in that U-Haul with you, and you have no idea where you're going. i got to tell you, folks, that plan doesn't sound very sound. If I were to go home this afternoon and say, Melissa, you know, it's been a fun ride here in Thompson Road. i got a U-Haul waiting for us in the driveway. We're moving on. Where are we going? I have no idea. <laughs> She's smart enough to know I have lost my mind. Abraham left, and Sarah went with him. To move that way by faith is an incredible account of what God is calling his people to do, to trust in him, to trust in his plan, and to believe that God knows what he is doing ultimately. We keep reading here. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. And this last little bit's not really told to us in the book of Genesis, but the Hebrews author, by inspiration, writes these words. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. We can only kind of presuppose, looking back in Genesis, 
as Abram is traveling from location to location to location, living in fear of the kings uh, that he encountered along the way, of the warfare that was going on, of all the trials and tribulations, no doubt in his mind, Abram had this image of this city that God was leading him to that was God's city. And he didn't find it because it wasn't there yet. That promise that was made to Abram to be the blessing of all nations would come well past his physical lifetime. He left his home and he went out by faith where God told him to go. The application for me from that is going outside of those things with which we're comfortable is where we find growth of our spiritual life. If I only did the things that I felt comfortable doing, I wouldn't grow. I wouldn't be challenged. I wouldn't be in a place where I'm primed by God to learn something new. My mouth has gotten me in a lot of trouble over the years, believe it or not. I know you guys can't. But I've said the wrong thing from time to time. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll definitely do that. And then I'm called upon to do the thing that I said I would do. I'm like, I wasn't really serious, but I guess I'll do it. And in those moments where I've had to do the uncomfortable thing, in the name of God, doing it by faith, I have grown and been so appreciative of those opportunities that God sent my way to bear his message to people who needed it. One example of that before I run out of time and move on to point two, is I remember we had a man named Phil Ropp and his wife Carolyn in West Virginia. And his grandson was a businessman in New York, and he had started a mission work in Kenya. And so Phil Ropp, sweet old man, just walked over to me one day and said, hey, if we, uh, if we pay for you to go, if we buy the flight for you, would you go with my grandson, Brandon, over to Kenya? And I go, sure, I'll go. Sure, yeah, no problem. Yeah, of course. I mean, why not? If you buy the ticket, I'll go. Sure, whatever. And then six months later, he goes, well, Brandon's coming to visit, and I've got your flight booked. Make sure you get all your vaccines because you're going to Kenya. And I went, I wasn't being serious. I didn't think you were serious either. But in those two weeks, I learned a whole lot. I learned, first and foremost, that's not my forte, is to just pack up my stuff and go across the world and talk to strangers in a different country, different culture about the gospel. But I said yes to every opportunity I got while I was there, and I was by no means comfortable. But I grew a lot in that experience. If I hadn't have said yes to that one opportunity, I wouldn't have grown as much as I did. The same thing is true when I've been here. I've had folks walk over to me and say, hey, would you mind if I meet with you for a moment? And what that means is I need to have a very long conversation with you <laughs> over the next couple of months. Would you mind? And I go, yes, absolutely. And from those counseling sessions, I have grown as a person and helped other people grow as well. So what I'm saying here is when you look at Abraham, you look at the beginning of God presenting an insane opportunity to a person. And the question really is, do you have enough confidence and faith that God knows what he's doing to say, yes, Lord, when he asked you to go and do something that makes no sense to us logically? That's God. 
Not only is Abraham a great example in someone who lived by faith by going to a place where he didn't know where he was going to end up, but he also had faith because he took the name Abraham. Now, we have this song that we sing with the kids sometimes. Father Abraham had many sons, right? I considered leading the first part of that, and then the second part of that, and the third part of that, and the fourth part of that, and the fifth part of that. But I did that enough at camp, so I'm going to just belabor the point. We know about Abraham. We sing his song. But the name doesn't really have the same impact that it has in the original. Over in Genesis chapter 17, beginning in verse 1, when Abram was 99 years old, so he was a young fellow, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Keeping in mind... He was 75 when he was first given that promise from Genesis chapter 12. And now he's 99 years old and saying, Hey, you still trust me, right? I'm going to make from you a person with no sons a great nation. Okay, in your own good time, I suppose. Abram fell on his face, verse 3, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you. Kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. It's a lot of promises from God, right? The name Abram literally means exalted father which is a bit ironic for a guy who has no children. It's already kind of laughable if you call a guy exalted father doesn't have any kids, right? He changed his name to Abraham, which is father of a multitude, father of many nations. How many kids do you have? None. The name itself is almost comical, right? If I said I was the best father you had ever seen in your entire life, I was the best dad you've ever experienced, and you asked me how many kids we have, I don't have any. It's a joke, right? Here is Abraham taking the new name God gave him and wearing it proudly as a badge. God made a covenant with me. He said, I would be a father of many nations, great multitudes coming from my seed line. Meanwhile, don't have any kids. The great thing to be called by God, father of multitude, and just be leaving in his promises. And then finally this morning, moments that we learn from Abraham of how he lived and walked by faith, things for us to emulate is this next section is somewhat difficult because we're away from this culture so far that it's, it's foreign to us almost. If we, I'm not going to read the entirety of Genesis 22. If you don't know the story already, I recommend you read it. 
while I'm speaking, but the gist of it, if you will, is this. Finally, God allowed Abraham to produce an heir. He had Ishmael trying to rush God's timeline. That wasn't the chosen son. He had Isaac. That was the chosen seed line through which this great nation of Jacob, of Israel, would be born. And one morning, God tested or tried Abraham's faith by saying, go to this location and offer that promised son as a sacrifice to me. Now, logically, this made zero sense. Here is a man well past 100 who finally has lived up to the name of father of a multitude by having the son that God promised to him. God said, will you offer the promised son you've been waiting years, decades for to me? Early in the morning, Abraham got up, Isaac with him, and they traveled far, left the servants behind, and they traveled alone up to a mountaintop, you know, because God's up high. That's the way it works. And along the way, hiking up this mountain, Isaac said, because he was able to speak, hey, I got, we got the wood, we got the knife, where's the sacrifice? Abraham said, the Lord will provide a sacrifice for us. And we read from Hebrews a little bit later on that Abraham had in mind the idea that, yes, he was going to have to kill Isaac, his son that he believed that God would raise him from the dead. Keeping in mind here, this is before anyone had ever been risen from the dead before by God. Abraham had enough faith to trust in the requests of God, to be obedient to his commandments, despite how little logical sense they made from his perspective. Here's the application for us. Sometimes things happen to us in our world and we can't explain it. We don't have a good rationale. There's not even a good backup plan behind what takes place in our world. And yet we learn time and time and time again whenever a human being is questioning the reality of what is taking place in their world and they beseech God, give me an explanation the answer is always, consistently, I'm in control, not you. Now, I'm a person, if you don't know already, who likes to control what I think I can control. It makes me feel safe and warm and protected. And when things feel out of control, I control what I can control. Because that makes me feel safe and protected. That's human nature's, human experience. The problem is, I'm really not in control of anything. And neither are you. Neither was Abraham. If you know about Abraham's life, he went to a city once where there was a king, and his wife was beautiful. And he was afraid that this king would take his wife and kill Abraham to have Sarah as his wife or concubine. So he lied to try to control what he thought he could control. 
but he was out of control and God had other plans for him. He then almost immediately went to another city and guess what happened? There was a king and Abraham was terrified that he would be killed and Sarah was taken to be his wife. Sounds familiar, right? So what did Abraham do? The same exact thing. He lied about Sarah, his wife. No, no, it's not my wife. That's a person who's going through human struggles, human fears, thinking that he can control this path that he is on. Now at the end of his life, God says, you know that promised son that you left your home for? That seed line that I said that I would establish that would bless all the nations? I want you to take that son you've waited so long for and kill him. Abraham didn't say, let me see what I can control in this dynamic to be able to feel like I'm in control. He said, yes, Lord. Got up early in the morning and did what God told him to do. The knife was in his hand. He was about to strike down his son, the promised son, Isaac, and the Lord had to scream at him, Abraham, don't hurt the boy. Now I know that you trust me. He looked up and he saw an animal stuck in some thorns. That was the sacrifice. He called that place, the Lord will provide. Because Abraham finally got the message. Who was in control? God was always in control. The lesson for me is despite my tendency to want to be able to control my little world as if that really does anything, I don't have to. I can let go, and I can rest, and I can be still, and know the same God that brought Abraham from the Ur of Chaldees to Haran to that great city in a spiritual sense, whose designer and builder was God, that same God who walked with Abraham every step of the way, walks beside me and lives within me this very day. Abraham is a great figure of faith. He did things that were an adventure. He didn't have to be afraid because God was with him. And folks, God is with us today. This morning, if you have a need to respond to the Lord's invitation, if something in your life is not right, there's some rift between you and your Creator, He has paid the way for you to be in a right dynamic, a right relationship with Him this very morning. You can come forward during the invitation and speak to me. We can guide you. We can pray for you. We can encourage you and walk with you on this life. Or if your matter needs a gentler touch, we have an elder waiting at the doors for any of your needs. If you have a need, respond now as we stand and we sing.